Thank you for tuning in to the Rowdy Cards podcast on RowdyCards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno, and I have my buddy Ryan with me. Ryan, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So we're going kind of lean today, but we're going to try to make the most of this. Uh, first on the list, the disabled list gets renamed the injured list. Now, the reason for this is because not all disabled people are injured. And so they want to change that kind of perception around to just injured list. Now, I, that makes sense to me. I get it. Like it make it, I just I understand that. And in fact, I've always kind of had a problem with it myself anyway, because I think that way. I'm like, OK, well, disabled one is pretty extreme, but. I know a lot of disabled people that are perfectly able in a lot of ways in their lives, but they're designated. They have that designation because of like, like uh, some one reason or another. And so I I think that relabeling the DL, the injured list, the IL uh, is is a, I think a a better, a better name for the, uh, the list. Ryan thoughts. Yeah, I totally agree. I always thought it was a little uh, offensive in a way that it was called the disabled list. Right. uh, Just because that word really doesn't mean what it means within the baseball context. So, right. and it's more in line with other sports. I know um, football, they have the IR, the injured reserve. I think NBA has a very similarly worded injured reserve or injured uh, list or something like that. So, baseball was kind of the only sport that stuck with this disabled nomenclature. Um, although the DL, I think, is going to stick around in the American vernacular for a while because that's just it's like it, it just means a lot of different things you know I was on the DL last week from work aka I was out sick last week from work or you know people use that a lot in like a lot of non-baseball context so I think the DL is going to be around for a little while mm. but it'll eventually die out as we obviously don't use it in the sport anymore I mean that's what happens when you make changes right it takes time to like for the old the old guard to kind of get washed away in the new one to sort of take its place just naturally. I mean, I, we talked about this in a previous episode, how when the new year comes around, uh, you know, you can't, um, automatically change your writing to match the, the new year when you're writing something, it takes like, you know, a week or something to get it together. So I, I understand that, that the DL will be around for a while. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that covers our uh, sports updates for this podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, no, no, no. We're going to move right into the hobby now. Uh, let's do this. So I had a question. I was looking at Otani, like the different cards that have been produced for Otani in 2018, and I'm like floored by it. So then it got me thinking, like, at what point does the number of rookie cards a player gets negatively influence final values? Okay. Now we always kind of look back on like the one and done days of Ricky Henderson, you know, and a lot of the guys, well, everybody in the seventies really. Um, and so, uh, I looked at the number of Otanis that were produced in 2018, uh, through Beckett's database and they returned 3,064 results for that's, that's, if you were an Otani super collector, my gosh, You'd be up against a huge battle to try to get even a fraction of those, I think. It's going to be expensive. But um, think about that. 3064 just for his rookie year. And that's not to include – I mean, we're, we're barely into 2019, you know. I mean, I don't, that, that number might be higher this year, right? And in 2017, we've seen there are some less than 20. 
but then you've got all the like Japanese releases prior to that. Sure. So you've got a lot of these like international things, and then you've got an explosion in 2018 of just like pretty much anything you can find um, has parallels to it and autographs and all kinds of stuff. So what was it last year? Someone told me there was a product released every week in 2018. So you have just a plethora of options. And so I, I always talk about, you know, options and how they're, they impact choice. They're at some point, too many options is debilitating. You start to like lose interest at, at a certain point because there's so many different options. Like, dude, just give me the in and out menu and let's be done with it. Like three cards done, you know, move, let's move on to the next year. But the companies are money hungry. I get it. They need to stay in business. I'm, I understand the, the, the capitalism side of this. I totally support it and I get it. It's, it's cool. It's fine. I just think that at some point, it's, at what point does it become too many? That's that's what I'm trying to get to here. Is like, well, that's what I'm trying to, where I'm trying to go. Like 30 cards, now 300 cards, now over 3,000 cards for one player for one year as rookie year. And yeah. I get that he was a big phenom and he was a multi-talented player. He's a hitter and a pitcher. I mean, there's a lot going on for him. He's young, very talented. So I understand that the companies are trying to make the most of that um, and ride out that wave as much as they can and really try to get as much back ROI, improve, increase ROIs as, as much as they can. I totally understand that. Uh, I, I think as somebody who, who does not PC Otani but would like to get one thing, I, I struggle to pick out a, one particular card you know, I have an idea of the one I want, so it's, it's way overpriced. But that, if I get that one, I'm set, and I don't need the other three thousand sixty-three cards. You know, I just think that there's there's a lot of options here. Ryan, do you remember a time when you were up against a lot of options, and you just was like, "The heck with this, I'm going home." <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I feel that way a lot when I go to uh, hobby shops sometimes. Yeah, and. I think you're you're absolutely right. Three thousand sixty-four cards for a rookie year is just insane, and I think Otani was sort of a perfect storm of not only being a kind of phenomenal gen- generational talent, but he didn't have to go through the rigmarole of the minor leagues and being on all these top prospect lists and being in like the Bowman draft products and the kind of minor league centric products that we see. Right. Um, he was just bam signed on the scene producing superstar so i think tops just produced 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 took full advantage of that situation mm-hmm. and there was a point in the season um i remember you know like the big super fractors started to sell um the, the kind of the flagship type super fractors from tops and bowman products uh and then all these other more high-end products started to come out with low numbered autograph otani stuff and it just was like oversaturated and I just didn't care about these crazy cards that people were pulling because um, there were just too many of them. And yeah, lots. it's I would be I would have been stoked to have pulled one myself, um, but it's always fun to see other people excited about their big pull. And I like, go on Twitter and stuff, and you see that stuff all the time. But towards the end of the baseball season, I would see this crazy Otani card um, being pulled like on a forum or on Twitter. And I would just, I wouldn't care because <laughs> it's just, you've seen so many at that point. Yeah. It's too much. <laughs> it's too many. And it's, yeah, it was kind of disheartening. Um, yeah. So, but I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we're on the same page from the business perspective. They, I'm sure they sold a lot more product because of, uh, the potential for the Otani craziness. Yeah. I mean, I would have done the same if I was tops. 
or if I were Leaf or Panini or one of the other companies, you know, like it makes total sense. Like, fine. It's just, it's a lot. You know, and like you were saying, you know, you've seen, I don't know, I, I don't know how many superfractors now for Otani with the yeah. gold vinyls that Panini makes and the superfractors tops makes um, and the stuff that Leaf's, Leaf produces. I lost count. Like, I, I, I stopped, I, I, didn't, I, I still care. I just don't think I care as much. Does that make sense? Like, I see them like, oh, great, another Otani superfractor of like the bajillionth time. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, it's amazing. They're great cards. I'd love to have one, but. I think the like end all of the super fractors was the one that closed for like 180 K the like big mm-hmm. one that, that Goodwin listed and it closed through Beckett. Was that the, the Bowman? Yeah. It was a Bowman Chrome auto super yep. that was pulled like right when he went down to the IL. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's uh that one to me is like the one I would want to have. Yeah. And I think the excitement, at least for me personally started, started to taper off after that. Yeah, because um, you, you saw the big yeah, you one. You saw the big one. It didn't matter at that point. It's like, yeah. so, you know, like you saw the one and then everybody else coming down through the pipeline is like, dude, the second one is always the first loser, you know, like second place is first place loser. That's, the, you know, like, okay, like it's cool, but just not as significant as that one key piece, you know? And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm facetious about calling the second place the first place loser because I used to be in Taekwondo. I used to compete, and I used to, I've gotten second place, third place, first place. So, I, and I've competed heavily, and I, I did really well, and I was successful in my Taekwondo um, years. But sometimes you have to fight hard for that second place. But in the, the card market, you see another super fractor come down the pipeline after the big one sells, and then there's like, you know hundreds more behind it <laughs> you know and at some point you're like okay another one all right another one and it's kind of when i was when i was younger i used to watch a lot of skateboarding videos and in high school like i, I just, skateboarding is a big part of my life it always has been still is even now but you watch a skate video and you see the first trick the opening trick you're like oh it's amazing and then like an hour later you see a guy like 360 flip like a 20 set and you're like who cares <laughs> yeah. like the biggest trick ever of course i don't know if anybody's down a 360 flip down a 20 set but you kind of get what i'm saying here is you can see a really gnarly trick at the end and it wouldn't matter because you do desensitize for the hours worth of amazing skateboarding absolutely desensitized i think is the that's the word here the key word here right and i think seeing over three thousand rookie cards of one player in one year is i mean i i haven't i haven't like done the research but i wonder if there's another player who has more rookie cards in their rookie year than otani Ooh, i would highly doubt it (laughs) Just for kicks, I'm going to see how many Strasburg rookie cards, how many cards were released for Strasburg in 2010. I'm going to start, I'm going to make a little sticker of that RC logo and start putting it on things, see if I can sell it. You ready for this 2010 Strasburg? Ready for this? Three, can I guess? Three? Yeah, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, guess. Uh, I'm going to guess um, I don't know, 399. Wow, you're close. 330. Okay. Well, yeah. you got me in the ballpark. Yeah, least. you're in the ball. <laughs> you're certainly like in the in the range, like real close. I'm surprised you. You that that's that's close. And that's that's so that's a tenth of what was released for Otani in 2018. A tenth, and even 330 is plenty of options. Plenty, plenty. You know, you could see like 2012. It was 2012 is Harper, right? 2012 Harper. 509. 2012 Harper. A fraction. It's a small fraction of the Otani release, right? A little bit more than Strasburg, but still m- m- small, quite a bit smaller in comparison to Otani stuff for 2018. So, 
I don't know. Yeah, I, go ahead. It'll be interesting to see um, whenever the next big breakout star comes along, how Tops reacts. I, I assume they'll react in similar fashion, but um, you know, I think Harper and Strasburg were probably the the last huge hype guys. Um, Aaron Judge in the hobby world. I, do you think Judge had as much hype as as those other two guys? No, but he came on the scene. He has 2,059 cards from 2017, which was his rookie Ooh. year. So there, they, they, it, it gets up there. And I know, you know, in 2010 we didn't have Transcendent. You know, we didn't have some of the modern brands. Uh, you know, and so as as the years progress and the companies produce more more like arms of their business, more more uh, uh, products, then you're going to see more rookie cards just as a natural byproduct. So I think that. We're just going to see more and more options as the years go on and as the companies produce more and more. Um, and, uh, you know, when this happened with Fleer back in, I think I'd say like the, the 2000s, and this happened with Donruss around the same time. So Pacific did something like this in the late 90s, early 2000s. Pinnacle did this in 98. And what I'm saying is that these companies produced so many different products that some of them went belly up because of it. When you dilute your brand to a point where, you know, you have so many different, your money goes in so many different ways. It's like putting a Starbucks across from a Starbucks. It like cannibalizes the profits for both of the company, both of the buildings, both of the entities. So that's actually bad for business when you produce too many options in that way. Um, customer doesn't, ha has a hard time. When their customers putting their money toward option A, of say a hundred options, they're not putting their money toward the 99 other options. Does that make sense? And so all the other 99 aren't getting that customer's money. Whereas if you had three options, it's less of a hit. Does that make sense? Because each individual product that the companies are making is, it requires, you know, marketing and it requires product design. It requires manufacturing. It's a huge cost. And so you're put your di diluting your, 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 uh, funds back into the product with all these to try to maximize a return to give the customer enough options. But I think at some point you're going to see a tipping point and there's going to be too many products and the company won't be able to re get enough profits back to keep some of these products going. And some of them will kind of go shuffle by the wayside. Um, I know tops released top Sterling some years back and then it like kind of went dormant for a while. I mean, I, I, I predict that if this continues, we'll see some stuff being, um, uh, deprioritized uh, from Tops and Panini and Leaf. The, some of these companies will find out that there are certain arms or there are certain products they release that do better than others. And the ones that don't perform well, at least if they're smart, they'll do this. They will deprioritize the, the low performers and they'll focus more on the ones who are performing. I and mean, this is standard business protocol 101, right? So when I see 2,000 and 3,000 cards of one player for one year, I think we're, I, I, I predict that, you know, this may signal some kind of tipping point at some point where, where some of these products will be kind of shuffled out because they weren't good sellers. Can you think of mm -hmm. some products that weren't good sellers over the years? I can think of at least two. Mm, not off the top of my head. Triple play. Triple play. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of a seller in the 90s, 92, 93, right? But it sort of like phased itself out after the 94 release you know it wasn't like a thing anymore right uh and even when they brought it back 
Uh, Panini brought it back for like kids. I don't know anybody who's showed showed off hits from triple play. You know, like that's one thing that comes to mind. Tops opening day, I don't think has ever done that well. It's just a reproduction of the same base set with like a different border color and a different stamp. I don't know how well it does, but it just because there's not a, like a hit potential. That's what a lot of people are after. Um, it, I don't I think I, that's. It's mostly marketed towards kids, right? Like really younger. younger. Yeah, and you know what? I think we're fooling ourselves to believe that there's a huge kid market in the hobby. Yeah, that's what I always think too. You know, is there really a kid going up there spending a dollar ninety nine on packs? There may be a kid or two, but there's not like large, you know, stadiums full of kids like there was in the '90s, like our gener, our you know, my old generation. And we've all grown up and have jobs, and you know, we have money to spend, and so we do that now. But I think in a lot of ways it'll always be an adult hobby, and I think that kids will grow into the hobby as they get older, if that makes sense. Because their parents are collecting, they're going to get their kids in the hobby. So it's just going to take time to see that kind of come back. Um, but, I mean, whatever. That's just these are. I'm just kind of talking your ear off right now about this sort of finance piece of it, uh, operations and logistics piece of it. Um, I just want to discuss it because I feel like three over 3,000 rookie cards is, which one do I get? <laughs> and if you are confused about which one to target, I would just try and stick with the flagship products. And you see, like, the Trout stuff, um, the Bowman Sterling or Bowman Platinum, those types of products, they sell well and they feature Trout. Pro There's debut. Big cards in there, but nothing compared to Tops Update. Right. Um, you know, all those more cornerstone type products so if you are looking to drop some cash on an otani look at bowman look at tops chrome look at bowman chrome yeah you can get a i mean look like if you're not into the autograph thing get a parallel from the standard flagship bowman product they're they're great if you're into the autograph thing there's there are lots of options and they've come down in value since we're in the off season um he's doing tommy john right now it's a good time to buy if you're doing the Otani thing, certainly a good time to buy right now. And heck, I I, I scout Otani stuff just just because I'm curious. I'm always looking at his stuff just because I'm curious to see what's coming through the pipeline, how well certain things are selling. I really like the um, tops. Uh, I guess it's the archive stuff from last year that that 83 design that you showed yes. me, Ryan. I like that. I mean, it's cool. I like that tops does that. Tops does a lot of things really well, and I think one of the things I love that they do is produce classic designs in a modern format i think it's really cool and so I, I thought that's very tasteful i'm a fan so anyway enough about that um yeah over three thousand different cards for otani in 2018 alone so moving on uh stuff in the hobby here's some cards that have sold their significant sales and i want to talk about them so first thing on the list here is ni- uh, 1994 donruss buyback autograph one of one nolan ryan it closed super cool. super cool, man. Really cool. I watched this. It closed with 34 bids at $148.49. Man, just shy of 150. What a great card to have. I mean, I it's it's I was talking to you, Ryan, about this before we started recording, is that wouldn't it be nice to have like just a couple of grand just to throw out every month on cool stuff like this? You know? Mm-hmm. This would be one of those cards. I'm like, man, it's a serendipitous buy, but what a great one to have, you know? And so I on card, just it's got that classic recollection collection stamp on it. It was sold through Probstein. Raw. I like it. I think this stuff is rad. So that that closed. That that was the that was the last time the last year we saw him on cards in a mainstream product 
and that was also the year after his retirement. And I remember pulling this card in 94 and being like, oh, I guess he's still in baseball, but he had already retired in 94. That was like his first year of retirement. Um, so it's a great card. Ryan, you're, you wanted to share thoughts since this is your guy? Yeah, I had I had never actually ever seen this card before. Um, and it's kind of rare to see these kind of specialty autograph one-on-ones from that era sell for that cheap. Mm-hmm. At least I think it's cheap anyways. Yeah, super cheap. Bucks. Way cheap. Thought it was gonna uh, do better. Yeah, this is this was a Probstein listing. Right? It was, yeah. Yeah, the seller's crushing it. Lots of awesome stuff. Super awesome stuff. I love. I'm I'm a buyer of Probstein. I bought a Ryan Leaf card from them recently. The um, '99 Donruss Precious Metals Silver from them. Rare card. They only printed 25 of those. Got it in the mail today. Actually, it's really nice. Those are awesome, awesome cards. I'm a big fan. Moving on, right? So uh, the next one on our list is uh, 1996 Leaf Signatures Gold Auto, Derek Jeter, PSA 10. It closed with 40 bids, and get this, it closed at $10,100. Huge, huge money, right, for this card. So I knew the um, 96 Leaf Signature Gold Autos were popular. It took me forever to find the Thomas. And, you know, they sell really well, depending on the player, of course, but... uh, the stars, they always sell really well. I didn't expect the five-figure end price. Just didn't expect it. I mean, I'm floored by it. It's great. But I'm so glad I don't collect Jeter. Every single time I see sales like this, I'm like, gosh, I'm so glad I'll PC Jeter. Mm-hmm. Be a nightmare. Um, yeah, that's that's so much money for, for a card. Um, so there's a Mariano Rivera up right now, if anyone's interested. Same card. <laughs> uh kind of cool these are some of my favorite autograph cards oh yeah uh, if i could swing it i'd put together the set because it's oh, yeah. so cool and they also are very frustrating because some of the players didn't take the hint to autograph it at the bottom of the card and they just sort of autographed it wherever they felt like it which kind of ruins the card i think because it's a super clean design um but yeah really cool card yeah uh uh, David Ortiz is uh, an offender of that in the 1998 run, Donruss signature, where he signs like along the side edge, where he has this beautiful nameplate space for a signature, and he's like, "I'll just sign over yeah. here." So <laughs> obvious. Where to like, sign? What the heck, man? <laughs> yeah. He like send him all back and have him sign him a second time. <laughs> this this uh, set, the 96 Leaf Signature Series, um, is also cool because it's such a big set. It's like, huge. I want to say. Is everybody in the base set also in this autograph set? The the autograph set is 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 hundreds of cards, and the base set is a limited run. Okay, so yeah, it's hundreds of cards. I guess that's my point. Is it, there's a lot of obscure guys from the mid '90s, and you can get them um, fairly cheap. Like I'm looking at a couple: Mike Stanley, Jeff Sapan, Supin. Uh, so the uh, base Jones, the base I mean, set is are... the base set is 150 cards, like the non-autograph thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. But if you've got the the autograph, like the the there's like the bronze, the silver, and the gold parallels. You know that's that's when things start to get pretty hairy. There's 252 of the golds, 252 of the silvers, and then 254 of the the bronze. That's a strange. I don't know what the extra two cards there. And then there's the extended run, which is 218 um, 
uh, autographs. But yeah, the base set is just 150 cards, and it's mostly the, the star players of the day. Um, and so what I like about this set, Ryan, and you know this too, is it, it it's all on card. Yes. But it, it's the first time where players that weren't like superstar talent got a chance to autograph a card, get a card in, you know, in, in the packs that was autographed. Is and, that because they promised an autograph in every box or something or in every pack? It was every pack. Every pack. But the yeah. packs, if I can recall, were like 10 or 15 Expensive. bucks a pack. And then back in the, you know, back in 96, when I was making like five to seven bucks allowance every week, that was, that was a lot it's of money. Lot. Yeah. I had my friend buy buy a pack. Well, he wanted to buy one. I was like, dude, I want to be there when you buy one. He bought one, and I remember us opening it there, and he got a Tom Candiotti autograph, and I was like, still, even though it's like a nobody, you know? Still cool. Still cool. It's on card. I don't know if he, he kept it, but I, th- I have a very vivid memory of that. I was really happy to be there to witness that. So could such a cool. We were so floored that you can get an autograph card per pack. That was like a holy holy heck moment, you know? Um, such a such an important set. I've I've thought about putting this together the set as well of the the bronze autographs, but I don't want to spend any money on buying the Jeter and the other players. I didn't want to. I, I was just like, eh, it's too much money. <laughs> you know, I'd rather put it towards something else. But I've that that's been attempted. I've seen. I saw a binder once of the set online on eBay. I have the most significant card from this set. Oh, here by we the go. Way. Here we go. I got the Rex Hudler. The Rex Hudler. I was just gonna say the Rex Hudler. I think I have the bronze and the silver. I definitely have the bronze. You got. Uh, you got to get the run, man. See if you can get the the silver and the gold. Because yeah. it took me a while to get to pull that run together. I mean, those are those are hard cards to pull together, man. They just they're tough. The the gold is especially difficult. Silver can be very tough as well. But um, yeah, they're great cards. Great cards. Anyway, so that the 96 Leaf signature uh, gold auto Jeter PSA 10 closes at 10,100 bucks. <laughs> Next on our list is a 2005 Bowman Chrome Red Refractor Auto Matt Kemp rookie card. Yeah, closed at 30 bids at 549 bucks. Now I watched this and I was like, man, if this closes below like a certain number, I want to see if I can try to get it. But it went way beyond my my budget, which I expected. I was like thinking like three to 500 bucks. I was like, that's where I expect it. But I, at that point I was like, if it goes to that point, it's out of my budget and I'm just going to watch it. But I expect it to go within that, that range, three to 500 and 540 is, you know, just beyond it. But that's, you know, from his popularity in the current market, it's just not where it used to be say 10 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And this card 10 years ago would be well over the four figures easy. Uh, this is the first time I've seen the red refractor. I've seen blues before and golds and all the other ones, but never saw red until, Recently, if you're unfamiliar, the number to five, only, he only signed five of them. He only printed five copies of the Red Refractor. Um, so cool stuff. I like this. This is this is a great, great ad for the buyer, whoever whoever ended up buying. This is just an awesome, awesome card. I don't have anything Matt Kemp. I just wanted one nice thing. This would have fallen into that that really well. But yeah, I wanted to touch on that. Do you remember the hype over Matt Kemp? Oh, yeah, of course. I think Matt Kemp sort of, might fade into obscurity here soon. So you, you, if you wait a couple of years, you might be able to pick up some of these nice pieces. Um, but 2005 Bowman Chrome is a very cool product as well. Oh, I love the design on that uh, product. It's the awesome. most significant card being the Hank Conger. Easy, easy, easy. No, there's <laughs> a the Verlander. He's an 05, isn't he? Yeah, Verlander is. Um, There's a couple other guys uh, in that set. Jacoby Ellsbury's in yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's not in that as set too. Significant right. as Verlander, but still. 
Isn't Verlander? Uh, wouldn't he be the the hit in that that run? He, he must be the hit. He's got to be. Cause Scherzer was what oh seven. Yeah. Uh, yep. I would say Verlander for sure. Um, but a really cool. I the, these designs. I think they kind of went away from these designs after two thousand five. Um, uh, correction. Scherzer was an 07 product for like uh-huh. the Donruss elite rookie stuff. But I think that he's an 08 a guy for, um, rookie. That sounds right. Um, tops. was that? Oh, wait, what is he's with the, um, Clayton Kershaw year. That was the, how was his year? Okay. Yeah. But, um, Oh, five is a good year for Bowman. I always liked it. We talked about this before that, that it's, the first year of the super fractor. So it's sort of the, inog- it's like the pivotal moment in, in the hobby in that way. Um, big fan of the design. It's just a good looking, they're good. They're just good looking cards, you know, and the red refractors are, they're just nice. They're just nice looking cards. I like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, I was happy to watch this and kind of see kind of where this went. Um, and I wasn't completely shocked by the end prices. Just more like, yeah, I expected it to be around that. Uh, I was kind of, t- it's too bad that I, I couldn't finance it. I would have loved to have this card. It would have been one of those like top 10 list worthy type cards. Um, but certainly just, there's, there's always something else, man. There's always something. So yeah, that's it. 2005 Bowman Chrome Red Refractor Auto. Matt Kemp closes with 30 bids at uh, just shy of 550. Uh, moving on, uh, we've got something listed in the market recently that's pretty significant. It's to 1994 Finest Refractors. Remember those? The uh, sophomore... Mm-hmm. Release of Top's Finest Baseball, full set, 440 cards gets listed on eBay for 3K OBO. I mean, okay, here's the thing with this with me. Okay, when I see three thousand dollars, I, I it's it's a lot. I'm like that's it's a lot of money. Uh, you know, what, what I guess would it cost me more to buy these cards individually or less? And how long would it take me? That's what I look at. You know, what about the big cards too? The Griffey and uh, you know, the, the Ripken and some of the other guys that might bring in the dollars in this product, you know, are they going to hold me down or, or set me back? Granted, it's not 93, so you're not going to come up, you're not going to see those crazy high figures, but 94 is pretty popular too. And there are 400, cool. yeah. 440 different cards, right? So let's just do a little bit of math here. Let's say we uh, took 3,000 divided by 440. Okay, that comes out to about $6.8 per card. Now you're going to say some of these cards are going to be dollar, $2 cards, a lot of them. And then some of them are going to be more, like Thomas and Griffey and Ripken and maybe even Jeff Bagwell, some of the Hall of Famer guys. But no, I, I, a part of me still feels like the 3K might be a bit high, but there is an OBO option. So then I ask myself, well, what would I offer if I were just to offer this and it was like something that would be fair? Brian, what would you offer? Hmm... Thousand, twelve hundred. I was I was thinking no more than fifteen hundred. Yeah, fifteen would be my cap too. I think on this. And that's and that's after looking at the collection and kind of because these are pretty condition sensitive. I think yeah. just that that finish that could be scratched easily and they from the pictures they look fine, mm-hmm. but uh, you know you never really know until you put your own eye on it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be somewhere in that. 12 to 1500 range right if i were interested this guy also or this seller 
selling the football set from that same year oh, for the really? same price, which is kind of interesting. And that it's half interesting. the cards. Now, I don't know football hobby well enough to know if there's a lot of significance here, but it's less cards, 220 cards specifically. Half the, half the amount of cards. Yeah, and he wants the same price. Well, that set so, has like, you know, Hall of Famers too, right? Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. I think there's a lot of stinkers in the 94 baseball. So, um, but football is a little more stacked. A lot of good guys in the football run. I mean, he's got the pictures here. Emmett Smith, Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders, John Elway, John Montana, Troy Aikman, Tim Brown, Art Monk, Barry Sanders. I mean, these are this might be this those might be some of the some of, if not all, the best ones in the set. But still, I think to myself, like, money is just one resource. Time is the other one, right? It's the uh the intangible. The tangible being money, the intangible being time. And, and you have to, like how much time would it take you to put this set together? You know, and, and then the other part is how much time would it take me to save up $3,000? And if it takes me less time to save up $3,000 by a huge margin, then it might make sense to obviously place a, an offer and to see where you can go with this. Because if it's mm-hmm. going to, if it could take you 10 years to put this set together, like, well, is 10 years of your life worth $3,000 or less? Mm-hmm. And if the answer to that is absolutely, then it might make, might make sense to, you know, get an offer out and see if you can get this get this going. But I'm pretty impressed that he has both sets. I mean, even if one's half the size of the other, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, I think I agree. That's a great way of thinking about it, about your, your own time. Um, thinking about buying all these cards individually, buying 440 cards individually, that's kind of a crazy task to accomplish. So um, the fact that they're all right there in front of you, you have to weigh your options. This guy has uh, really awesome inventory, by the way. He looks like he's pursued ardently the finest sets from the different sports. He's also got a set of 94 finest hockey refractors, 165 cards, with a straight bin of 750. Um, I mean, that's incredible. Even I don't, I don't know if the price is right, but that's an incredible that he has all these. He's got a set of 93 Tops Finest Baseball Refractors, 184 cards. He's actually, okay, 15 cards short of the complete set, $9,000 buy it now. That's pretty, I mean, this is this is heavy hitter stuff, man. Like, really impressive heavy, heavy hitter stuff. You just don't see every day. So I'm glad you pointed out his other auctions. They're impressive. Oh, if you're in the market for a 93-94 Finest Basketball Refractor complete set, Jordan included, $2,000. Ben as well, same same seller, amazing, just incredible stuff, really, really incredible. And and there's other miscellaneous uh, finest auctions and bins on his uh, well, actually all bins on his uh, other items. So cool stuff. I just want to talk about that because um, it's not something you see on uh, listed on eBay every day. There's certain pieces that you're like, man, I'm floored that they even exist. You're like, wow, one guy put together once I saw an entire run of the red bordered parallels of 2011 tops update the the whole set wow i once saw a gold parallel version same set with the trout i'm like just dude how would take you forever to get that done you know granted they're asking a price that would you know uh, validate that like that's hefty but i like stuff like this because it's like i'm not going to be a buyer but it's cool to look at them the pictures like wow i'm get to see a whole set of 94 finest refractors he doesn't show every single card, but still, it's like you got the box and the, you know, the key pieces are like displayed or whatever. 
just it's it's rad. I like that. So Ryan, you have any final thoughts? Uh, I'm freezing my butt off in California, and I can't <laughs> wait for baseball season. <laughs> it's so cold in New Mexico right now. It's like yesterday I was walking around uh, UNM, and uh, it was it was like. 20 something with a wind chill and it felt like it was like negative i mean it was so cold i'm like dude i don't can we just skip winter and go right into in the summertime yeah i want to just fall asleep tonight and wake up and it'll be like 80 degrees march march 31st <laughs> just kicking into springtime oh man uh but alas that is not possible not yet. Uh, and if you're listening from East Coast or Midwest, I know we sound like a bunch of wimps, but it's all relative, know, right. We're just not used to it. We're not used to this kind of weather, and uh, I have every right to complain about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always think like other people. Some people have it worse. <laughs> oh, there's millions of people have it worse right yeah. now. So that's the one thing I take solace in. Is at least I'm not snowed in somewhere where it's negative twenty. So. Yeah, just wishing all the people on in that that vortex all the best, and hoping they can stay warm and uh, ride it out the best they can, you know. So, and if you're listening and you're there, I'm wishing you all the best, and thank you for tuning in while you're there and trying to stay warm. So, thanks Ryan for hopping on this podcast with me. Thanks for having me. Of course, thank you for tuning in to Ride of Cards podcast and RideofCards.com. I'm your host Patrick Reno, and until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting.